Are you in search of a closer relationship with Jesus Christ and a better understanding of the basic truths of Christian faith? If so, please join us for Simple Secrets of the Kingdom, a series of Bible studies developed by Reverend James Otterness and taught by Skip Hedgepeth, board member of Good News Ministries and Bible teacher at Christ Church in Midland, Texas. Hi, I'm Skip Hedgepeth and welcome again to Simple Secrets of the Kingdom. Last time, we talked about the Lord's Supper, the new meal for the new people of God. And today, we're going to have a continuation of that story about the Lord's Supper and uh, how Jesus comes to us through the bread and the wine in His promises. And today, though, we're going to look at the controversies that could break out uh, as a result of this gift. And as strange as it seems, this, there's this wonderful gift that the Lord has given us, this free gift of His grace that comes to us through the sacrament, and yet at the same time, it's been the, uh, the source of conflict in the church uh, throughout the ages, even back to the very earliest days. So we're going to look at that today and see if we can't get a clearer understanding of what happens in the Lord's Supper so that you too might be able to avoid the conflict. Uh, before we do that, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Gracious Father in heaven, thank you again for your love, for your mercy, and for your forgiveness that comes to us in so many ways. What a blessing it is to know, Lord, that you're not trying to withhold your forgiveness, but you've looked for so many different ways to, in order to give it so that we might receive it. Uh, we love you, Lord, for that. Thank you for the gift of Holy Communion, and thank you for the way we receive your grace through it. Bless us today as we study. Guide us into the truth through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. So uh, today we're going to start in the Gospel of John, and we're going to see maybe what was the first, very first controversy regarding this teaching about the body and the blood of Jesus. And we're going to begin in John chapter 6, and I'm going to read verses 52 through 58. The Jews then disputed among themselves, saying, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is food indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so he who eats me will live because of me. This is the bread which came down from heaven, not such as the fathers ate and died. He who eats this bread will live forever. And so that's what Jesus had to say. And he said that we were to eat his flesh and drink his blood. And when the people of this time heard this teaching from him, you can imagine that they were concerned because they didn't have uh, the gift of the Holy Spirit yet to them to make this clearer, but they thought Jesus was talking about, uh, about cannibalism. And, and so the early church, believe it or not, because of the words of, of Christ about the Lord's Supper, uh, this bread is my body, this, this uh, wine is my blood, the early church got the reputation among the pagan world of being a cannibal church. And 
But Jesus wasn't talking about a uh, eating, a physical eating of his flesh, but he was talking about a spiritual eating. The bread uh, is a gift from Jesus that uh, it's not just a symbol of his flesh, but as we receive the bread in faith, and receive his promise that comes with the bread, Jesus comes into us. We partake of him. And as we drink the, 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 the blood of the wine, Jesus comes into us through that. And when he says, when he is in us, we are in him. So through the sacrament of Holy Communion, there's this spiritual exchange that takes place. Not only are we receiving bread and wine, but we are receiving Jesus. And the reason that we are is because he promised that he would come through it. And you know, we've talked about before about how grace comes in many different ways. It comes through the Word of God. It comes through baptism, and it comes through Holy Communion. And I love the fact that you know, grace in so many ways is like a... It's a, a spiritual gift from God. It's hard to see grace. But in the sacrament, Jesus gives us something to see. He says, this bread is my body. Eat it and receive me. And then he gives us the cup and he says, this cup is my blood. Drink it and receive me. And when he comes into us, uh, we receive his promise. You know, the bread in and of itself is really just flour and water and maybe eggs. Uh, and so, you know, there's nothing supernatural about this bread. There's nothing supernatural about the cup of wine. Uh, people, you see people out at wine, out at restaurants drinking wine all the time. Uh, are they drinking the blood of Jesus when they're having wine with their meal? No. It's the promise of Jesus coming with the bread and the wine that makes the sacrament the sacrament. And so it's kind of like, kind of like this check. You know, this check in and of itself, it might be worth, oh, I don't know, a couple of pennies, a paper and the ink. Uh, maybe not even that much. But if it's signed, and assuming that I have money in my bank account, if it's signed and it's made out to you, for a hundred dollars, then all of a sudden uh, it becomes something more than just paper. It becomes paper that conveys a promise to you. This is the way it is in the bread and the wine, the body and blood of Jesus. As uh, when we receive it uh, in faith as his body and his blood, then we receive his promise. And that promise is the forgiveness of sins. And that makes this meal a whole lot more than just a churchy snack. Uh, this meal then becomes a spiritual event where you receive Jesus and in exchange, he takes your sin. Uh, it's a wonderful, miraculous thing and a gift from God. So let's get a little bit more now. We're going to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and see what the Apostle Paul has to say about, uh, about the Lord's Supper. 1 Corinthians 10, I'm going to read, first of all, uh, verses 1 through 5. 
I want you to know, brethren, that our fathers were all under the cloud, and all passed through the sea, and all were baptized into Moses, in the cloud and in the sea. And all ate the same supernatural food, and, and all drank the same supernatural drink. For they drank from the supernatural rock, which followed them, and the rock was Christ. Nevertheless, with most of them, God was not pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. And so, let's look at this for a second. Baptism is like when the children of Israel passed through the waters of the Red Sea. So in baptism, uh, well, first of all, when the children of Israel left Egypt, the first thing that, that they encountered was the Red Sea that they had to pass through in order to escape from Pharaoh. And you remember that wonderful story, how God parted the waters of the sea and the Israelites went through on dry land. That is how they began their journey. And so baptism is like that for us. Uh, through the water, we begin our journey as a child of God and a believer in Jesus Christ. And, and so, but the Lord's Supper uh, for us is the way we're strengthened on the journey. It's like the supernatural food and drink that the children of Israel received in the wilderness. Uh, do you remember the story? When they were in the wilderness, they were hungry. And so God sent them quail to eat. And it was in the middle of the desert, and the quail came, and it came, the quail came in droves. And, you know, you could make the case, well, those are just quail, they're ordinary quail, but they're only ordinary apart from the promise of God. You see, when God sent the quail, then it became a supernatural event. God sent the quail and promised to send it to them every day. And then also God sent the special bread from heaven. Do you remember that bread? It was called manna. And manna is a Hebrew word. Uh, in the Hebrew, it sounds more like manah than manna. And manah is the Hebrew word that simply means, what is it? And so the children of Israel went out on the ground and looked out on the ground every day and they went, what is it? And, and that name stuck with the bread. So they ate, what is it, every day for 40 days in the wilderness. But for 40 years in the wilderness, rather. And, and so what Paul is, the point he is making here is that just as God sent the quail and the manna to the children of Israel to strengthen them for their journey, he sends the body and blood of Jesus through the bread and the wine to strengthen us for our journey. Uh, and like I said, this is just ordinary bread and wine, but when you receive it along with faith, along with the promise of God, it becomes a supernatural event through which Jesus comes to live in us and strengthen us for our journey. So let's get some more. In 1 Corinthians 10, verses 14 through 17, Therefore, my beloved, shun the worship of idols. I speak to sensible men. Judge for yourselves what I say. The cup of blessing which we bless, is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, is it not a participation in the body of Christ? Because there is one bread, we who are many are one body. For we, for we all partake of the one bread. Okay, and so he says the cup is a participation in the blood of Christ, and the bread is a participation in the body of Christ. We, uh, 
there is more than just an eating going on here. We are receiving Christ through the bread and the wine. Now, some people believe that there is like a physical change in the bread and the wine as you, as you receive it. Uh, I believe that this is a, a spiritual exchange. The bread uh, is still bread. It's still wheat and flour molecules. But, uh, but Jesus then comes through the bread so that we participate in the love of Christ, in the forgiveness of Christ through the bread and also through the wine. Then he says, because there is one bread, we who are many are one body. So something happens not only for me in this uh, exchange of the Lord's Supper, not only happens just for me, it also happens for the whole body of Christ as we participate in the Lord's Supper um, so that uh, it unites us together. When I take uh, the sacrament at my church on Sunday, then I am united as a fellow forgiven sinner uh, held together and forgiven by the grace of God through faith in Jesus. It's like a family meal. And, and then also, I have two grown-up children who live uh, out of uh, the state where I live. And on Sundays, when I go to receive communion, I, it, I know that I am united not only with my local congregation, but I'm united again with my children who live so far away. Because the blood, the body and the blood of Jesus unite us together as we each participate in that on Sunday together. Uh, we all come, it's a, the, the sacrament of Holy Communion, the Lord's Supper, is a, a great uh, level or equalizer in the body of Christ. Because it doesn't matter if you are rich or poor or what the color of your skin is or what your nationality is. Whoever you are, when you come to the Lord's table for the Lord's Supper, you come with your hands held out like a sinner, hungry, uh, in need of God and in need of grace. And, uh, and we are all then one body, all united together. Uh, so it's, the meal is not just a meal uh, that only affects you personally, but it affects you as a member of a larger body and unites us all together. Okay, let's get a little bit more. Uh, you know, the, it, well, we're going to look at 1 Corinthians 10, verses 18 through 22. Consider the people of Israel are not those who eat sacrifices, eat the sacrifices partners in the altar? What do I imply then? That food offered to idols is anything? Or that an idol is anything? No, I imply that what pagans sacrifice, they offer to demons and not to God. I do not want you to be partners with demons. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord in the cup of demons. You cannot partake of the table of the Lord in the table of demons. Shall we provoke the Lord to jealousy? Are we stronger than he? And so, uh, he gives us some examples to the teachings here. And he says that when the Israelites brought back in their day, when they were making sacrifices in the temple, weren't they not partners with what was going on on the altar? They would bring the, the sacrifice. The priest would take them in. And then they then were participating in the sacrifice that was going on on the altar. They were a part of it. Uh, during this day, 
there were many pagan rituals going on in that area of the world. And the, what was happening is that the Christians were going out and some of them were participating in those pagan rituals and at the same time coming in and participating in the Lord's Supper. And, and what he says here is that, um, that that shouldn't be. You can't partake of the um, of, of idol worship and the Lord's Supper at the same time. It shouldn't be that way. When you receive the forgiveness of sin, it should, as you respond to what the Lord has done, uh, His grace in us gives us power to turn away from idolatrous things. Uh, many of these idol worship feasts involve uh, uh, sexual immorality and uh, fertility rites and uh, orgies and all of these kinds of things that were going on at that time. And, uh, and he's, uh, Apostle Paul is telling us, inspired by the Spirit of Christ, that you can't, you can't have it both ways. You can't live a lifestyle of, idol, of idolatry and at the same time come in and expect to receive the Lord's blessing. So he says, shun idol meals. Uh, shun the worship of idols. Don't drink from the cup of demons and the cup of the Lord at the same time. And he says, you cannot partake of the table of the Lord and the table of demons. And so, what you partake of, you become a part of. And so, in your life, if you, have, uh, if you are caught up in some kind of idolatrous behavior, and really all that simply means is, if there is something going on in your life that is ungodly, that is becoming, is starting to dominate your thoughts and your life so that it affects the way that you live your life and the decisions that you make on a daily basis and, and it takes you further away from God, he says shun that, run from that. Ask the Lord to give you the power to turn away and run from that because it will more and more dominate your thinking and your, uh, and your lifestyle and draw you further and further away from your relationship with God. Uh, and the further you go, the harder it is for you in your own power at all, impossible in your own power, to turn away from that and come back to the Lord Jesus. You need His help for that. Uh, come to His meal, and He will give you the strength to overcome those problems in your life. And idolatry, you know, we think of it back in, in the in those days when uh, people were worshiping Baal and other false gods like that. But idolatry can be uh, whatever controls your life on a daily basis other than the Lord Jesus. It can be work. It can be uh, alcohol or drugs. It can be pornography. It could be uh, the Internet. Anything that dominates your thinking and, and leads you further into an ungodly lifestyle. Uh, uh, in the Lord's Supper, uh, we're not joined with demons. We're joined with Jesus. Uh, so turn to Him and receive Him in the sacrament. And not only are we joined with Jesus, but we're joined with one another. And as Jesus strengthens us through His presence in the bread and the wine, He also strengthens us through one another as we come together and love one another and encourage one another. We have communion with Him. And then we have communion with one another. So now we're going to go to 1 Corinthians 11. 
and get a little bit more about what the Apostle Paul says here about Holy Communion. 1 Corinthians 11, and I'm going to read verses 23 through 26. This is Paul describing the Lord's Supper. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And so he said, the Lord says, this is my body. He's talking about the bread. This is my body again. Uh, eat this. And this is my blood, the cup of my blood, which is shed for you. Drink this in remembrance of me. And so this is, besides being a spiritual transaction, this is also a, uh, a remembrance for you and for me so that we remember what Jesus did for us. And as we do, that unites us all together as his family. And he said, as often as you eat and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Um, and so there's uh, another aspect to this is the aspect of uh, proclamation. When we gather together on Sunday and we receive the bread and the wine, the Lord's body and blood in the sacrament, we are not only being drawn together and united as a body, but we present then a united witness to the world and to people who don't believe that, that we're coming to receive the body and blood of Jesus. We're believers in him. And, uh, and, and that they too who don't believe can have an opportunity to come and be part of this body. Uh, we remember his death on the cross but we also, as we remember and as we come together, we present a unified witness to the world that we believe in Jesus and that his body and blood were sacrificed and given for us. We're going to look at verse 27. Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of profaning the body and blood of the Lord. And so this verse has caused lots of problems for Christians throughout the ages. And they think that because they're, they think they're unworthy, therefore they better not come and take the, the sacrament because they're unworthy and, um, and they don't want to profane the body and blood of the Lord. And, and what, uh, to profane something is just to, to count it as worthless, is to take the meaning away from it. When you think about profanity... Uh, it's to take a good thing and call it bad. Um, and to profane something is to take away its original meaning and give a meaning to it that it wasn't meant to have. And so, um, if you, he says, if you receive it in an unworthy manner, you're guilty of profaning the body and blood of Jesus. Now, unworthy here doesn't modify whoever uh, in the sense that Whoever is unworthy will profane it. Unworthy modifies manner. And so it has more, it's like an adjective that modifies manner. And so what, what that means is it's not you personally being unworthy. It's if you come in an unworthy manner. In other words, if you come saying that nothing happens here, if you come saying that 
I, I don't really believe that there's a spiritual transaction. I just want to come and do this because everyone else is doing it. Then you're coming in an unworthy manner and not coming in faith. And so uh, no one is worthy to receive Jesus. But in his grace, he offers himself to all people. And so if you know that you're a sinner and you're coming because you want to be forgiven, then come, you're worthy. All right, let's get verse 28 now. Let a man examine himself, and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. So what he's saying here is let a man examine himself. And why, what he means by examining himself is to examine his manner. Examine the manner that you come, so that when you eat of the bread and drink of the cup, you do it in a worthy manner. Uh, so examine yourself. Uh, you don't have to be examined by your congregation. You shouldn't have to be examined by your pastor. But what the Lord calls you to do is examine yourself and say, why am I coming to receive communion today? Am I coming because I'm a sinner in search of forgiveness? Or am I coming just because I'm here and everybody else is doing it and I don't expect anything to happen? It's just a little bread and wine snack. Uh, if you examine yourself and you come to that last conclusion, then I would say don't come until you can search your heart and ask the Lord's help to see the real meaning in the sacrament. Uh, come with faith, believing that Jesus is going to come into you as he promised in the sacrament. All right, let's look at verse 29. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment upon himself. And so, uh, so this sounds scary to me, but you have to remember, first of all, his promise that we studied back in Romans chapter 8, which was, if uh, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. If you're a believer in Christ Jesus, then there is no condemnation for you. Uh, but when you come and, uh, in to, and to receive the Lord's Supper, and, and you come uh, in an unworthy manner, come not in faith, come not looking for forgiveness or the blessing, come just because everyone else is doing it. He says, if you do this without discerning the body, you eat and drink judgment upon yourself. And this judgment is kind of like a chastisement from the Lord. He's not talking about, about condemnation, eternal condemnation. He's talking about, about discipline on you. So that if you come uh, apart from faith, anytime as a believer, when you're living uh, apart from your faith, uh, then you're going to experience the Lord's judgment and that judgment a lot of times just comes through the natural consequences of your choices as you live apart from Him. Uh, don't expect to live in a manner not worthy of your faith and experience the Lord blessing at the same time. And so when you come to the supper and to receive the sacrament uh, and you come looking for a blessing, you'll receive it. If you come for no reason and, and you don't come in faith, Look to experience the Lord's discipline. That's what he promises, and that's what will happen. But even when you experience the Lord's discipline, you need to always know this. The Lord's discipline is there not just to make life harder from you, but it's there to wake you up 
so that you can come back to him and receive his love. The improper manner is, to, is when you participate uh, like you are, but without faith. And in uh, its improper manner is just eating the bread and the wine as though it were nothing and not giving any value to it. Jesus gave us this gift of the Lord's Supper so that we might have a tangible means of grace, a way to experience His love, a way to receive His forgiveness visually, to take Him in and to be in Him through the bread and the wine, which through faith is His body and blood. I pray today for you that you will experience the, the blessing and forgiveness of Christ as you come to the Lord's table at your church and receive the sacrament of Holy Communion. Uh, and as you do, you'll be drawn closer to Him, forgiven, and given strength for your journey. Thank you. Goodbye. If you have a prayer request or questions about any of the material covered in today's lesson or would like to support the program with a contribution, contact us by email at simplesecrets at goodnewsministries.org or by mail at P.O. Box 3315, Midland, Texas 79702. Until next time, thank you for sharing the simple secrets of the kingdom.